Funny Books with Aaron and Polly and their amazing friends. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne, and I'm amazing as always. And this is Tim. Who is less than amazing, apparently. <laughs> hey, maybe it should be Funny Books with Aaron and Polly, their amazing friend, and Tim. Well, <laughs> another guy. I, I am partially amazing. I made my persuasion role, and now Jonathan is moving to Tibet and seeking a path of enlightenment. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. As so this a is a monk, a eunuch. So this monk. is the uh, this is the first week I'm recording from my new house. I've mentioned a couple times I was moving, and right across the street, pretty much, there's a Dunkin' Donuts. Uh-huh. So I don't know if you guys have heard the old Dunkin' Donuts commercial where he b- wakes up every morning and he's time to make the donuts. Yes, that's mm-hmm. been stuck in my head ever since I've moved. So this morning, <laughs> I'm hooking up my audio equipment. I'm like, time to hook up the audio equipment. And then when you when you call for Skype, it's time to record the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Wayne. You feel you feeling a little managed by the clock, are you? <laughs> it just I can't get the jingle out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Paul and I this week had our uh, first quarter 2010 Ideology of Madness Summit. You know, we do these on a on a quarterly basis. Indeed. And, and when I was when I was flying back last night, <clears throat> I got on the plane, and there is this uh, woman. Uh, there's a there's a middle seat open between us, and there's a woman on the aisle. I'm in the window seat. And, you know, she's talking to me and, you know, she's very young. I mean, I was like surprised that she was 21, but, you know, just very young. She looked like she's 16. And um, she was talking about how nervous she was to fly because, you know, normally her husband flies with her and she doesn't know how to manage all this stuff, you know, like gate changes, that kind of thing. And she just really, really doesn't like to fly. So we take off and the takeoff's a little rough. There you know, some some big crosswinds yesterday coming out of uh, Virginia Beach and the – uh Plane starts shifting side to side a little bit, and her hand just starts slapping the seat in between us, you know, and just frantically. <laughs> and I'm looking at her hand, and I'm like, you know, when my wife would do that, I would know that I'm supposed to hold her hand. And she reaches over, and I'm like, I'm like, am I am I supposed to hold her hand? Is is this what I'm doing? And and you know, I, I, this this is happening very quick, but in my brain, I'm like, I'm a married man. I don't think I'm supposed to hold somebody else's hand, you know. But I, I'm like. I have this thought. I'm like, you know, if my wife was scared, I would want someone to hold her hand. And so I reach over and man, she grabs my hand and just squeezes the tar out of it. You're doing that whole roll in the knuckle thing. And then I'm like, holy crap. And I mean, she just, uh, she just holds on for dear life. And when we finally, you know, come up off the, the, the most awful part of the takeoff, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was, it was a, sur- a rather surreal experience. <laughs> So when was the last cute? time you held hands with a 21-year-old, Aaron? Been a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'm, ass- I'm assuming the summit went well because I haven't got a pink slip, so no budget cuts. Um, well, Tim, <laughs> wow. no budget to cut. Um, well, it'd this- be Tim. He got a little bit of hand on the way back on the plate. I mean, <laughs> he's going to be in a good mood. This is Gracious. this is really awkward. Um, uh, I want to miss Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, which is why he's not on the show today. You know, we had to make some cuts and, uh, you know, we're able to uh, cut back on our, you know, uh, liquor allowance. If we you know, uh, reduce the staff by, by one Jonathan. So, you know, I had to cut him. 20% more. reduction. Yeah. Actually, you know, Jonathan continues his uh, stay at the Schick Center. They wanted to keep him uh, one more week. You know, to to detox him. Apparently, he was more toxic than most people that they get in the center there. So uh, they're holding on to to Jonathan for one more week. They tell us it's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've allowed us no visitation. We can't go and see him. You know, but uh, yeah, 
that's okay. We weren't going to drop by anyway. So. <laughs> but that's now we have an excuse. <laughs> but, you know, we, we've sent him a continual supply of DC comics for him to read while he's, uh, while he's in the center. It, it goes back to that conversation about sending comics to dying kids. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan's Make-A-Wish was to get as many DC comics <laughs> as possible. Yeah, we we send him DC, some uh, Deadpool Merc with a Mouth, and the occasional Avengers Initiative. Yeah, send your send your Grant Morrison comics to Jonathan at. <laughs> Anything that says ultimate on it. <laughs> he, he he did send a note requesting porn, so we sent him sent him some Betty and Veronica. <laughs> you know, Tim actually gave me some great advice as I was moving in here, and that was don't sully the house with anything by Grant Morrison. Don't do it. Don't do it. Did you have a big fire, a big bonfire, just toss them on? <laughs> Actually, I have three boxes of comics I'm still trying to get rid of in the old apartment. The stuff that I didn't want to move over here because it wasn't worthy of walking in the door. (laughs) And yes, there are some Grant Morrison stuff in those boxes. Well, you know, I feel really bad about saying this. Oh, God. Here we go. Because, you know, Grant, you know, everyone's like, well, I got out of DC because of Grant Morrison screwing up Batman. Or I got out of Marvel because of Grant Morrison screwing up X-Men. After this week's books, my DC pull list might get a lot shorter in the coming weeks. Are are you perhaps transitioning into our Blackest Night update, Paul? I I am, but not well, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Paul, you apparently have some feelings about Green Lantern number 52. Perhaps you would care to share. I, I really, really am not liking the way the storyline is wrapping up. Um, I, you know, I, I hate when stories that, and, and I know, you know, we talked a little bit about it during our summit this week, how sometimes stories go biblical at the end, even though there's no reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I talked about Battlestar Galactica and I didn't like the ending of Battlestar Galactica. I it's like one of my ending. favorite TV shows of all time. And I don't own it on DVD because I know I'll never see it because I hated the ending. Yeah, I mean, that can happen, especially when one of the characters falls through a hole in the plot. <laughs> <laughs> and Greenland and Blackest Night, which started off so strong, I'm really not digging the way they're taking the ending. And maybe it's just me. I'd love to hear what you guys thought about Green Lantern number 52. I'm right with you, Paul. I mean, I hate the, you know, all life spawned on Earth which makes no sense at all since it's not the oldest planet in the DC universe to begin with. I, the, uh, basically one of the other complaints I've had is the same thing we talked about when we talked about the last green lantern corpse, you take these big, huge villains that this should be a major thing dealing with this villain should be huge. In this case, it's a planet and they throw it into a side book instead of into the main title into the main crossover. And let's be honest, nothing really happened in this issue that, you know, the status quo hasn't changed since the last Blackest Night tie-in book that we've read. No, they they slice Sinestro in two just to take him out of the issue for the issue, and then they fix him at the end so they can go on with the miniseries. Now, you know, if they hadn't told you that they had sliced Sinestro in two, I don't think that the artwork really reveals that. 
It doesn't. I was wondering that myself. Because I mean, I was, I, I was, I was looking. I was like, okay, you know. I mean, they tell you that, and there's blood all over, you know, uh, Necron's face. But you, there is really no sense that he's been split in half. And I, I love the artwork that Doug Mankey has done all throughout the series. But I mean, it was a a huge failure in his work here because I never. It never looked gruesome to me. It never looked like it was anything bad that happened. I think that was <laughs> kind know? of the point, though. I think they were trying to – it wasn't supposed to look bloody or gruesome because it was light flowing out of him instead of blood, except for when he actually slices him, and in that case, it's blood. Well, but I mean you – know, you, you can't expect him to be consistent, can you? Well, but, and, and, and I, I, I get that, that you know uh, he's a creature of light at that at that moment, but they should have – depicted it a little bit more uh, clearly so that you go, Oh my God, Sinestra is split in half, <laughs> you know, I, because the, the, the panels that they show it just aren't that clear. And yet the other lanterns are very concerned about do what you can to help him. I, I just, I, I didn't get that. I, I, I just did not get that. There were some odd artistic choices yeah. in this issue, especially the, the very final page with Sinestro and, you know, at first you look at it and it's like, oh, well, he has angel wings. Yeah. But he has like little alien hands coming out of the angel wings. And it looks at first like he has a penis jutting out from his um, oh, armpit. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but I guess it's supposed to be the hilt of a sword. Yeah. But, you know, I the sword cut off. So I kind of got that it's all the – yeah, that's a sword in his hand. But that's the white light creature Yeah, that's behind him. Yeah, I mean, I got that. But – you know, the the way they drew it with the sword cut off just felt awkward to me. Yeah. You know, it, it, why couldn't you show the full sword? Now it just looks like a phallic symbol sticking out of his armpit. Well, and, and wouldn't it have been more interesting on the page preceding that where they where they show Sinestro being put back together? Wouldn't it have been more interesting to see that head on than in profile? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at that. Whole, I, I, it wasn't. You look at it the first time and you're like, what the hell? You know, and it took me a second to realize, oh, he's being put back together. But, you know, the way they show that he's being put back together on his chest is just this little squiggly line going up the going up the center of him. I mean, yeah. it, it just really did not do a good job of of showing you what was going on. Um, I, I, like you guys, I don't care for the, the way the story's going, you know, tying it back to, you know, the creation story. uh from the Bible, it just seems a little ridiculous to me. Um, I don't like that they've made essentially Earth center of the universe because, y- you know, I, I really kind of liked it that, you know, Earth is unique in the the people who are there and the heroes that are there. But other than that, it's not the oldest planet in the, in the universe. It's not the place where life started. I thought that was a much more interesting story than to say we've been, you know, pulling your leg all along. Earth actually is the source of all life. Yeah, and like it's, it. it's it doesn't make sense because I mean Jeff Johns wrote Infinite Crisis, and we know Earth is maybe the center of the multiverse. You right. know, all multiverses, the existence of the multiverse depends on the existence of the Earth and the DCU. Yeah. If the Earth and the DCU blows up, every Earth blows up in every multiverse. Yeah. You know that was set up. But it was never set up as the center of all life. I mean, I thought Oa was literally the center of our universe. Right. Well, it's not anymore. It was until Superboy Prime moved planets around. Uh, God, that sounds lame saying it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it does. <laughs> Let me it's ask you guys something. Too. 
because I haven't been following this. I've only been following um, by listening to the podcast with the Blackest Night. Isn't the point of a of a crossover to have major changes? And this crossover has had major changes, like Guy Gardner's a Red Lantern, and not anymore. You know, Sinestro is a Sinestro's a White Lantern, and Parallax is back. But isn't it doesn't it defeat the purpose to a have those changes, but resolve them in an issue? Yeah. And isn't it kind of like a slap in the face to be like, okay, we'll give you your changes, but you're only yeah. going to get them for a month? Yeah, I feel slapped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is that if you read the the text that goes along with, you know, kind of their revised creation story, if you didn't have the artwork that went along with it, it would be fine because they're not saying, you know, uh, Avarice was the serpent in the Garden of Eden. The image tells you that, you know, they're not telling you that that rage came from when, you know, from Cain and Abel. The bloody stone tells you that, you know, the hope doesn't come from Noah and the flood, you know, the image tells you that, you know, so I, I just, I, I think that this was a poor choice. I, I, I know that there are people going, Oh, that's great. The, 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 all the different uh, lanterns of the spectrum were involved in the Bible. Great. I, 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 I think it cheapens the story that they've got here. And it cheapens the Bible, Aaron, it cheapens the Bible. Oh no, it cheapens <laughs> blackest night. <laughs> but I, I, I'm kind of with Wayne, you know, this, this, every, every issue that we get closer to the end of this thing, it makes my stomach turn, you know, because I just know it's not going to be anywhere near as good as the promise of those early issues. And, you know, if you go back and you listen to, to, you know, the first half of our, uh, blackest night coverage, we were crazy excited about this series and now I'm just dreading the end of it. Yeah. That actually covers how I feel about most DC crossovers. Yeah. When they start, they start out really actually, let me phrase. That's how I feel about most DC stories, period. (laughs) They start really strong. I get really excited, get really into them and they drop the ball. Yeah. And I have to say, I think the biggest problem when I compare blackest night to siege, I think the, the problem with it, with blackest night is that blackest night went on too long. That there isn't anything that happened in this series that they probably couldn't have told in five issues of Blackest Night uh, that we didn't. I mean, there wasn't a tie in out there that was really needed. You know, I I, I mean, this was enjoyed some of them, but, you know, very few of them were integral to the storyline. Yeah. And I think they just got it overinflated because they got excited about it in marketing. And, you know, look at how excited the the fan base is. Um, But now it just kind of feels like masturbation. Yeah, and that's yeah. exactly what Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps feel like. It's like every issue, here's fan service. Here you yeah. go. You want to see Parallax? Here's Parallax. You want to see, you know, the a Blackest Night planet, a Black Lantern planet? Here you go. Here's that. Let's wrap that all up in one issue. Well, yeah, the the only thing that right now I can I can brag on DC about in terms of Blackest Night is that they've gotten their books out on time. That's true. Yeah. I mean, and that's when you think of all the books that have been coordinated into Blackest Night, that's really quite a feat. And yeah. when the when you've got the the level of performance like Doug Mankey, who up until this issue, I think that I has, has you know, really had a, a, a stupendous, stupendous performance uh, in his pencils. Um, but now, you know, eh, eh, eh. yeah. And, you know, I. I the end, literally, I mean, it's Green Lantern Court, the most recent issue, this issue of Green Lantern, and if Blackest Night number eight is up on the same quality, 
you know, it's really going to make me hesitate to get into Brightest Day. And I feel yeah. bad saying that because I was pretty psyched about Brightest Day. Yeah. Um, now, is the next issue of Blackest Night next week? Does it wrap uh, up next week? I think it's the week after. Okay. Because, wow. <laughs> yeah. I have to say at this point, the uh, the Blackest Night stuff has gone from being my favorite thing DC's putting out to Booster Gold is back to being my favorite book DC's putting out right now. Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about this. Blackest Night is almost like the secret invasion of um, the DCU this year in that secret invasion started off interesting. No one liked the ending. And, you know, a lot of people took the ending as a good way, as a good time to jump out of the, the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty much everyone on this, almost everyone on this show. Um, yeah, that's what I did. Took it as a cue to, to pop out of the Marvel Universe because that's the proper time. Um, you know, I I think the end of Blackest Night, you know, I, I think if Blackest Night number eight does not please fans, I think, you know, DC will have a, a dark rain on their hands, even though it's the brightest day. And just double checking the DC Comics website, I do see that Blackest Night number eight is due out next week. So uh, March 31st, uh, Blackest Night number eight is due to come out. And hey, look. There are uh, two variant covers that you can get as well. There's a variant cover by Rodolfo Migliari and a sketch variant cover by uh, Ivan Rice. So if everyone DC, loves Rodolfo. If DC does go into their uh, into their dark rain next, will they have a siege after that? Maybe. I'm sure Brightest Day is building up to something. Let's be honest. Well, I think I think Brightest Day is an effort to you know make things brighter and happier in the in the in the comics world, and clearly both they're skipping both. Siege and going straight to the heroic age. That's then. exactly what they're doing. <laughs> That's exactly what they're doing. Uh, well, you know, clearly thumbs down to uh, uh, Green Lantern fifty two, and and we're all you know bracing ourselves for uh, what we expect to be a terrible <laughs> ending in Black. <laughs> so prove us wrong, Jeff Johns. Prove us wrong. Please, please pretty please. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, for uh, less dismal news, let's go over to our uh, Siege update. Starting- you know, um, more Siege tie-ins came out this week than there are issues of Siege. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So we start off with uh, Avengers the Initiative, number 34. So, Did anyone get the feel reading this that this was the... Hello. Did is I, he building up anticipation, or did we lose Wayne? Wayne I'm still here. Okay. Uh, yeah. Building. Uh, anybody get the? Uh, okay, cut off. Yeah. Did anybody get the impression that Avengers Initiative this was the feel good book of the week this week, or was that just me? I uh, <laughs> I, I really hate to say this because this is Avengers Initiative, but I think of all the books I got, I think this was my book of the week, and that just hurts inside. <laughs> <laughs> I particularly liked uh, uh, Speedball, or not Speedball, Penance, uh, revealing himself to uh, to Vance. I mean, this book had so many moments like that. For me, who's actually been enjoying the book even before it focused on Taskmaster. You've got uh, Night Thrasher deciding that, no, I'm not going to side with the hood. You've got Penance coming out and taking his mask off and finally showing them who he is. You've got Diamondback admitting that she loves the Constrictor. You've got all these heroic poses throughout the book from these characters. Mm-hmm. The what's left of the initiative that was being used as cannon fodder 
siding with the uh, Avengers Underground here. I mean, this was by far the hopeful book of the week for me reading through it. I mean, Looking it was for the ending. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> Wayne, you missed the best scene. The best scene was when the hood called them small time D-list wastes. And how come nobody told me slapstick was in this book? Awesome. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know slapstick was in this book. He's the clown guy. <laughs> oh, okay. He's been with justice for a oh. while. Yeah. Okay. I see him now. <laughs> it's like who? Exactly. But um, yeah, I thought this was a good book. I, you know, I, I I've been kind of waiting for the big, uh, you know, re- return of penance as, you know, somebody that we know. Uh, I'm I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. And I know that that a couple of y'all don't care for penance, but and I, I haven't cared for this incarnation of him, but I'm I'm looking forward to see how his character transitions out of, you know, penance and does he is there some kind of middle ground between speedball and penance? Maybe he'll be penance ball. Yeah, I really love the uh the Taskmaster Captain America fight too. Yeah. Where at yeah. first Captain America is acting like he doesn't know him, but then he warns Bucky and Taskmaster finally realizes, oh, wait a minute, I do know you, and then starts beating him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that, you know, what was one panel in the Siege book, you know, in Siege number three, you know, it's half an issue here. You know, yeah. we get that, you know, we get the detail and, you know, we get to see, you know, a little bit more behind what happened. And I, that's one of the things we've liked about Avengers the Initiative since the Siege tie-in started, you know. We can see where it fits into the major storyline. It's been involved in the major storyline. It's not like they just watched the siege on TV and you know call it a siege tie-in. Um, you know, I, I've really enjoyed these tie-in books. Am, am I the only one that felt like uh, some of the depictions of Captain America looked an awful lot like Ro- Rob Liefeld's uh, uh, Captain America? I noticed that in one pose. I only I only thought that in one. Like the very first time we see him, but mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that as well. Yeah, it, there seemed to be like uh, on a couple of panels, I thought there was a little bit of a Liefeld homage, and I was like, huh? Yeah, I wonder if that was intentional. Like, you know, there's one that's a, a close up on uh, Bucky Cap's head that looks an awful lot like Liefeld's pencils, and then there's also a profile of Steve Rogers' cap that reminded me of it as well. And I just, I just didn't know if anybody else caught that. Um, I, can't lie. I liked Rob Liefeld's cap. I, I I did with his little feet, with his little feet. <laughs> so hey, that uh, shield's got to be compensating for something. Yeah. <laughs> so Asgard at the end of the book falls on, uh, uh, I guess Diamondback. She's on Asgard when it tumbles. Oh, okay, she's not under it. Okay. Yeah. Um, because no, we know on. who's under it from another book this week. Yeah, you might be foreshadowing there. Uh oh. Yeah, um, new Avengers. Oh, you have a question. Sorry, go ahead. Well, anybody going to wager any bets on uh, uh, Diamondback and Constrictor? My I hopes think, are that they both survive, but yeah. I'm not wagering a bet on that. I don't know. I, I think that they're going to move into the um, Avengers Academy, even though they're not. They haven't been announced as the official team. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see them continue. I think this would, if this is the way they they end their story, by dropping a city on somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of a cheap way out instead of going the amount, the, the, um, the proper emotional, you know, storyline and finishing up that way. Well, I'll say this. There has not been enough blood for an assault on a, on a Viking capital yet. Well, me. except, except on the uh, Norse gods. Cause apparently a whole bunch of them have died. 
Oh yeah, because they blow apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mighty Avengers thirty-five. Uh, I read it. Who else read it? I read it. We're the only ones. The only ones. Okay, so if so, you're if you're going to repair your android, your your human-sized android, why do you make yourself bigger to do it? Why are bigger well, hands <laughs> necessary to repair? I would think you would want to go the other direction. Well, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, it's easier to hold her like a like an action figure huh. than it is to uh, try to handle her life size. Alrighty then. I, I don't get it. I don't get it because he's working with a very small tool. <laughs> <laughs> not everything grows on Hank Pym. Yeah, apparently, not everything no. is as proportionate. <laughs> That's what uh, she said. Yeah, exactly. Freaking worst superpower ever. I felt like this was an improvement over over the uh, last issue. This was a marked improvement. Yeah. Um, the last issue was balls. Yes, it and was. This issue was uh, was not bad. I mean, no. it wasn't the the best issue of Mighty Avengers. I really did like the two part with the absorbing man, mm-hmm. the two part storyline. Um, but I, I did enjoy this actually. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I'm I'm not really sure. Why you would uh, give your android flesh arms? Um. <laughs> well, I can think of a few reasons. If I were to hold your hands in the airplane, Aaron. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, their their flesh aspect limbs. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what she. I said. would think there would be other flesh aspect items you would want to install first. But um, <laughs> <laughs> fleshlight. <laughs> Do you think Jocasta has a flashlight? Oh, you know it. You know it. I, I, it well, it's the uh, the uh, you know Pym flashlight. So. Yeah, filled with Pym particles. That's right. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I really liked the book. Um, I I don't always Ultron's one of my favorite villains, but I don't always uh, care for how he's handled. Um, and I liked this. You know, I also particularly liked the scene where. You know, hey, we've cornered, uh, you know, Hank Pym. Where'd you corner him in? His lab. My God, that's the place where he's, you know, the most powerful. What have you done? Yeah. You know, and that freaks out Ultron. I, I, I thought it was really good. You know, I, I, one thing I've always liked, you know, I've liked about Mighty Avengers since it started is that it's a fun book. You know, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's not so deep rooted in dark rain. You know, it, it's just really been a fun action book since Dan Slott took over the title. But last issue was just, absolute yeah. shit i mean it was absolute crap yeah um but you know this issue even though it has a siege banner on it which kind of pissed me off because they're just watching it on tv and they say no we can't come sorry um you know it, it, it so it's really not siege related at all mm-hmm. um you know but but it's it's that type of storyline and uh it's the final two issues of the book so you know i'll be sad to see it go yeah, uh, but I, I guess there's you know there's really no more Mighty Avengers team anyway. So, well, you know the the story kind of reminds me a little bit of Fantastic Four, and the thing that I like so much about it is that it's very much about ideas, um, and and you know the uh, they're generating a lot of new aspects and corners of the Marvel universe in this book. You know the the you know inf- the overspace that uh, 
that uh, Pym talks about and his infinite mansion and then the device that he winds up putting in uh, uh, Jocasta's chest. I mean, these are all things that are, are going to be artifacts for the Marvel Universe, and it's so nice to see new stuff created as opposed to just always addressing the old stuff that, that we've had for 40 years. So I, I, I really did enjoy this book. Yeah. And I, I, I thought the last page um, – was a rather interesting teaser for the next issue. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see where they go with it. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, uh, a- another book, um, which is the one Wayne was alluding to earlier. Um, another Avengers book came out this week, new Avengers number 63. Yep. Written by Brian Bendis with interesting art by Mike McCone. Mm-hmm. I-, I didn't care for the art on this book. I I thought that the scenes, uh, the quieter scenes, like between Luke and and uh, uh, Jessica, Jessica mm-hmm. Jennifer, Jennifer Jessica Jones. Okay, yeah. thank you. Um, I thought those scenes worked really well. I thought the artwork worked well for it. Um, less so on the action scenes. You know, and I like Mike McCone. He was working on Teen Titans when Jeff Johns was on the title, mm-hmm. and his stuff I thought was great. Um, but I, I just maybe it's the inker in this one. I don't know. I didn't really care for the art in this particular issue. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Tim and Wayne read this issue, or Tim, no, Wayne read this issue. Um, what'd you think, nope. Wayne? No, no, I didn't read New Avengers. I read Thor. Oh, yeah. Someone got dropped on, someone got Asgard dropped on them in that one, too. <laughs> How many people are under there? Is there a party going on that, <laughs> that continuity wise, they don't bother showing the other people under there? Asgardian suicide dance pact. I mean, how big is this? Is the city oh, to have people good. under there and looking at the panel, not see anybody else under if it's being dropped on multiple people. Yeah. Um, spoiler warning. Even though we know she makes it out of siege because she's, you know, popped, you know, we've seen pictures of her. Have we? Seen, yeah. Um, pictures of her in post siege books. Uh, Bobby Mockingbird or whatever. Is that her name? Yes. Hawkeye's wife. Yeah. Yeah. It, it pops, you know, it's, it's under Asgard. And, and you get to see her hand sticking out from under the stones. Maybe, but maybe the, the images that you've seen for upcoming books are new Mockingbird. Maybe. <laughs> Except I think there's, isn't there supposed to be a Hawkeye with Mockingbird book? Maybe like, this Mockingbird was really a scroll. There you go. Wait, yeah. so the, the gymnast can take 30,000 tons of rock falling on her? Is that what I just heard? Yes. Yes. Yep. I, absolutely. She's oh, been good. She's been. You know why? She took out Lady Doc, Doc Octopus, the, the female Doc Ock. I mean, she's obviously invincible. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, if she survives the city being fall, you know, falling on her, then you know she can take a load. Nice. But anyway. <laughs> Well, and, and I don't think we've talked about it, but I do like the new costume for Mockingbird. And I know it's been around for a little bit in the in the Dark Reign, but uh, vast improvement on her costume. Yeah. Because those sleeves were awful on the old one. <laughs> they were just awful. Just awful. Yeah. This is a fabulous costume. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> but as for the issue itself, um, it was an okay issue, honestly. I, I I I wasn't really unhappy with the issue, um, but I didn't see anything in here that really excited me. You, you know, you were talking about the artwork before, mm-hmm. and the, the the one choice on the artwork that that really bugged me 
was uh, Hawkeye without his mask on didn't look like Clint Barton to me. He looked like Steve Rogers. Yeah. And, and I kept going, why is she in bed with Steve Rogers? <laughs> you know, because that just did not look like Hawkeye at all. Well, he does have a big shield. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to cheat on Hawkeye with someone, it might as well be Steve Rogers. Well, yeah. Damn right. Uh, the shield makes him wet. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thor. Yeah. <laughs> someone else gets Asgard dropped on them. Thor number 608 came out this week. With more Volstag, more Ragnarok, and more Kelda. Uh-huh. And even a more little Kelda. Thor in there. And Tyr. Yeah. Yeah. And Tyr. Yeah, with guest appearance by Thor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what bugs me about Thor? Um, and don't get me wrong, I've really liked it since Kieran Gillen took over the title. I liked it when Straczynski was on it. I know we were all worried. Gillen's done a, a great job on it. The only fault I can find in Gillen's run, um, and don't take this the wrong way, Kieran Gillen, because I know you listen every week. Every week. Um, it's the absence of the the Warriors 3, yeah. other than Volstag. Yeah. We haven't really seen the other two. And they yeah. were, you know, such key players uh, in the previous storylines. Yeah, where's Hogan? Where's Van, uh, Vandral? Yeah, exactly. I mean, those guys were with Volstag at the diner. You know, mm-hmm. they I mean, remember they, they started cooking or whatever, working at the diner. And that storyline went nowhere because um, Volstag wanted, you know, because of Siege Number 1. But, you know, there's still two more Warriors 3 that we haven't seen hide nor hair of. I mean, I- really. I my big gripe with the book is I th- it would have been a lot more satisfying for Volstag to have uh, done done the made the killing blow to Ragnarok, you know, as opposed to having the you know the big city fall on top of Ragnarok. I think he's still alive, and I think they're saving it for Thor getting the big killing blow. This guy ruined his name, or at least besmirched his name by killing one of his friends. Walking around with his face, Thor has got to be the one to smash Ragnarok's head in. As as previously cited, Asgard is made of polyfoam colored together <laughs> by gorilla glue. Which will be okay. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it, the 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 destruction of Asgard for years to come is going to be like the Superboy punch. And, you know, we're going to see it, you know, in a year from now, they're going to flash back to someone who was in the siege on Asgard and had Asgard dropped on them. Yeah. Everyone they wanted to kill off during siege died other than Ares because Asgard dropped on them. Yeah. If if they're seen on panel with Asgard dropping on them, they're fine. But if we don't see Asgard fall on them, then it fell on them and they died. Right. Yeah. And we'll find out next year, like, hey, you know, whatever happened to, uh, you know, I don't know. So, you know, whatever happened to so-and-so, you know, and so, have a little flashback. Oh, Asgard fell on him. <laughs> I have two favorite moments in this book. Actually, three, I think. One of them is when Volstag is getting ready to block the lightning blast. And he has those flashbacks to everyone dying in the arena and decides to run. That, I thought, was a cool character moment for him. Yeah. I got a huge kick out of the conversation Kelda was having with Bill's parents. I really like her character. Yeah, I do too. And the other moment for me was when they pull the sheet back on Aerie's body. And uh, Tyne finally realizes, oh, yeah, he wasn't talking about me. Yeah, but except that, why does Aerie's have a body? Didn't he go squish? Well, he got torn apart. He got torn in two. 
But yeah, was it he, really two? All I saw was a big explosion of goo. He was he was he was torn torn apart, and you just saw his guts exploding out the center of him. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. like a there's like a potato skin left of Ares. Yeah. Of course, they took the time to scoop him up and push him back together. Well, yeah, they yeah. shot back him. Yeah, in the middle, <laughs> white lantern put him back together in the middle. In the middle of the fight, they have to take the time to put put back together a fallen, dead Greek god. I mean, of course, I that's what Asgardians re- do. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't realize the hood was such a badass. Wow. Well, he's got those Norn stones, Norn gun stones. You know, I mean, except sometimes you see the hood and he's shooting rainbows out of his gun. <laughs> you know, that, that ain't so badass to me. I shoot rainbows I mean, out of my gun, too. <laughs> okay. Because Mockingbird can take a load. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jonathan may not be here in person, but he is here in spirit. We are channeling him. <laughs> Indeed. You know, this is one of the books where he's shooting rainbows out of his guns. And out of his chest. Yeah. And out of his chest. And it, it kind of bugs me because I saw them, and I know they're the Nornstones. I know they're not what they look like. It almost looks like the Infinity right. um, gems Yeah. every time I see them, because those are, you know, rainbow colors, too. Uh, you know, so every time I see them, I'm like, oh, no, no, don't get your hopes up. The Infinity Gauntlet is still someplace else. Well, you know uh, what, because he, of that's you know what the hoods the hoods battle cry is now when when he's uh, uh, firing his guns. Taste the rainbow. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other uh, lesson we've learned is if you're walking around the Marvel universe and you see shiny colored rocks, you should pick them up because they're probably powerful. Yeah, infinitely powerful. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, you know what? Everywhere, because even DC with their freaking rainbow colored rings. You know, if it's any color other than, well, even white and black, apparently, uh, are powerful colors. <laughs> but anyway, am I the only one who read uh, Thunderbolts number 142 this week? I believe you are. The only well, person in the world. Ever, anywhere. <laughs> Ever, anywhere. Um, well, that's a shame, because Thunderbolts 142, it's not my book of the week, but it did kick ass. It kicked a lot of ass. Um, you know, it, it was a great issue. Of course, see, you know, Asgard does fall on a couple of people in this book. Um, no, but I don't no. think I've seen that in any other Marvel book. Did that happen? <laughs> Once or twice. Did they, did they trip over? Did they trip over Ragnarok or uh, Mockingbird and, trying to get out from under? Is that why it fell on them? Maybe. You know, maybe they were trying to get out, but there were so many bodies under there. Yeah, there <laughs> so many people. Hey, get out of my way! Ragnarok is Asgard's falling. <laughs> well, one thing they've you know they've they've had um, in this book is that uh, Scourge is actually Nuke, and um, I don't know if anyone really remembers Nuke. Um, he's a Marvel villain. He has a flag painted on his face. It's an old Captain um, America villain. Yeah, old Captain America yeah. villain. And he did battle with U.S. agents in this issue. And basically, spoiler warning, on he uh, he almost slices U.S. agent in two. U.S. agent after this book has one last leg and one last arm. Really? Wow. Yes. Um, you know, and, and it, you can tell that's what's happening, unlike in Green Lantern number 50, whatever, 53. Um, you, you, you know, you get the, the sclorch sound effect, oh, nice. and, and, and you see the arm and the leg. Um, you, know, you see the after effects. You see his body on the ground, and you see the arm and the leg other places. Um, so, yes, he is missing an arm and a leg. Um, a couple of characters do bite it. Um, a couple of characters get their asses kicked. Um, 
this is, you know, if you like Mighty Avengers, this is what's happening to the Mighty Avengers other than Hank Pym and Jocasta. Um, are, they're doing battle with the Thunderbolts while Asgard is falling. I really dug the issue. I really did. It's written by Jeff Parker. I pretty much like anything this guy writes. Um, so I, I recommend it. You know, I recommend this, uh, this crossover. Even though I don't like the Thunderbolts team, I like having, you know, and I think Jeff Parker kind of knows that no one really gives a shit about the Thunderbolts team. Because <laughs> since he started on the book, we had two issues with the Agents of Atlas, one issue with just the Thunderbolts, and now we've got the Mighty Avengers in the book. So I swear, after I, I, hearing that, after hearing that, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. If next month we see a solicitation for Franken Agent, I'm driving to New York <laughs> to have a talk with Quesada. Franken Agent. Franken Agent. Franken Agent sounds awfully cool. <laughs> I'd buy that book. <laughs> well, I'd you, buy that. Well, and, and he could join the uh, Captain America Corps. You know, he could be Franken Cap. Franken Cap. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I think that finally does it for all our siege books. Woohoo! For now. For now. But the X Men universe is building up. You know, while we're we're one month away on siege, one week away on Blackest Night, we are just getting ramped up for Second Coming in the X Men universe. And uh, this week we have the return of oh sugar. I was wondering. I was like, wow, he's just gonna you know completely just screw over haunt number six. And <laughs> yeah, all right. So Tim read haunt number six. What'd you think? <laughs> oh, Tim, we, really... we we cued that one right on up for you. <laughs> well, screw me, I guess. <laughs> Well, you know, for five months, everyone's read Han, except Tim. <laughs> That's not true. I have all five Hans. Oh, do you? you yeah, I, guess I do. It, this one just happened to coincide with one of your appearances, I guess. Maybe. So how was um, it? You know, I, I was kind of hoping you'd pick Wayne first, because I'd, I'd kind of like to cheat off his answer sheet, but <laughs> it was okay. I, um, my, my, I have a problem with it, because it goes into... Re- um, kind of answering the question about who that lady is that took the notebook, which we know now her name is Mirage. And that was kind of, other than Haunt's powers, that was like the one big mystery that we had that I, you know, that I felt was like a, where the hell is that going? And then they decided to, oh, this is, this is everything you need to know about the one mystery we, egg we laid I'm like, oh, okay. See, and I don't worry about that because it's Kirkman, and we're about coming up to the point where Kirkman will throw a big curveball to us. So um, I, I wouldn't worry about the only mystery we had going away because something we thought we knew is bound to change in the next couple issues, I'm sure. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> but it was kind of, the, the, it didn't really progress the story too much, but it did provide a backdrop as to this character. And I think she's going to be sticking around for quite some time in this book. So it was interesting, but it was much like Thor, where Thor isn't in the book. This was Haunt with Haunt showing up for about a panel. You did yeah, see, see a little bit. You did see more of the the dead brother, and you did see a couple of scenes where they they um, kind of flashback with different camera angles, so to speak, to Haunt one. But yeah, see, I really enjoyed this issue because it was a standalone. It's a it's the typical Kirkman usually does his big storyline. Then he'll do a chaser that's a standalone that lays the seeds for his future storylines. 
And that's what I kind of see this being. It was, this is a standalone to tell the story of her. And now that that's done, I think they're ready to move into something big. I expect giant curveball in issue seven, and I will be shocked if I'm wrong about that. I probably will be, but I'll still be shocked. (laughs) Now, my question is, the only reason I almost picked this book up, because I said at the end of font number five, I was done. But this was the first issue with Ray Capullo on the art. Cappy, um, how was the art as opposed to the art in the first five issues? Wow. Tell you the truth, I can't really tell a huge difference. I mean, it doesn't look quite as gritty. It's a little bit smoother, but it's not It's not like a night and day smoother. Hmm. Yeah, you know, but, you know, he's, he's done the um, layouts since the first issue, um, you know, which then Otley drew, uh, did pencils over, and... McFarland did inks over. So we're really, you know, we're losing, we're losing the penciler, um, you know, but the, the beginning and the end are pretty much still the same. So I, I yeah. was curious as to how the art was. I say it looks a little bit smoother to me, but other than that, it, it still looks like, it doesn't look like a drastic change. Hmm. Well, speaking of drastic changes. <laughs> the fact that I actually bought an X book this week. Well, and someone came back in that X book this week. Yep. Right? Yeah. Okay. So my book of the week this week is going to be Uncanny X-Men 522. And I am as shocked to say that as I'm sure you guys are to hear it because I haven't been reading X books for a while. This, though, was the return of Kitty Pride. It looks to be the end of the Nation X storyline and basically getting ready for, uh, you know, getting ready for Second Coming. And after this, I'm excited and I'm hyped for Second Coming because this was really good. I enjoyed the way they brought Kitty back. I enjoyed that it, they didn't bring her back and just have her be back. There's an issue. Her powers right now are kind of on overdrive, so she can't touch anyone yet. And this seemed to be a redemption for Magneto in the process. I mean, all in all, beginning to end, this was just a good book. Great art, great story. And I'm hyped and looking forward to Second Coming now. Now, how much was, was Kitty Pride actually in the book? Um, she's in it on and off. They keep doing cuts to her inside the bullet, basically thinking, you know, shouldn't I be dying now? Huh. And then in the last few pages is when she's actually really back and she's not inside the bullet. But they do keep flashing to her and they flash to her thoughts. And they have... Uh, there's a nice little backup story they have in it that is another planet and the planet detects this bullet coming for them and they're freaking out and everyone's they're building bunkers to try to stay alive. And they finally realize this is the end of our world. And then the bullet phases through them because it's during the time when Kitty's inside phasing it. So you get this whole background story of this big giant metal bullet terrifying a whole nother planet and how it changes their society. My only complaint is that the last couple pages of the actual story itself, I'm assuming it's set up for second coming, but having not read the book, I don't get some of them. Mm. There's a page where Namor is swimming to an underwater city. It doesn't look like Atlantis, but I guess it's supposed to be Atlantis with somebody in a some sort of shuttle vehicle. And then another panel where somebody's bringing flowers to Psylocke and 
a public a public appearance where their North Star and someone I don't recognize have captured people. And then a scene with Nyko. It's just like one panel after the other of here's what people are doing on the island, which was kind of cool, but I didn't get some of the references because I haven't been reading the book. So that was really my only complaint about it. I was ecstatic to see that the character of Box is around again. Oh, wow, I man. Used to, I, I used to be a big Alpha Flight fan. Yeah. And to see that he is in the X-Men now and is their tech guy because they don't have Forge, it looks like. That, for me, I thought that was really <laughs> cool. I haven't thought about Box in years. I think wow. about Box all the time. Yeah, I was about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was a big Alpha Flight fan, so I was excited to see him in there. Hmm. Well, well, cool. You know, yeah. You know, also, kind of in the X-Men universe, even though really he has just as many titles as the X-Men do, is Deadpool. And uh, Deadpool 21 came out this week. Um, and uh, it's the third part of the Hitmonkey storyline. Um, the third and final part of the Hitmonkey storyline that got me buying the book in the first place. and. Um, once again, not my book of the week. I'm just building up anticipation for that. Um, but it, it was a great issue. It's hilarious. And uh, it, it features Deadpool versus Hitmonkey at the funeral of Spider-Man. It, and, uh, you know, it, if that's not enough of a tease, you know, th- this book is absolutely great. I highly Why was recommend there a it. funeral for Spider-Man? All right. You're going to make me spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> To, to lure Hitmonkey out of hiding, Deadpool steals Spider-Man's costume and fakes Spider-Man's death. Because um, last issue, Hitmonkey uh, Hit shoots Spider-Man by accident, but feels really bad about it. So he tries to basically lure Hitmonkey out of hiding by saying, well, you killed Spider-Man. So Hitmonkey will show up to Spider-Man's funeral, um, where Deadpool can then take him out. And uh, it, it's it's like, you know, it's Deadpool, which I'm, you know, there's a lot of slapstick humor in it. Um, there's a ton of humor in it. It's a really fun. The art's great. Um, there's a cameo appearance by the Fantastic Four, which is hilarious. Um, I, I, you know, the, the three issue Hitmonkey storyline is, I think, absolutely a must read um, in Deadpool. And it's a, I think it's 1920 and 21. Um, highly recommend it, you know, and uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, um, a brand new book, very first issue of uh, Mark Millar and uh, Steve McNiven's Nemesis came out this week. Uh, highly anticipated. Um, everybody loves looking at Steve McNiven artwork, and uh, you know, unless you're reading the last book of, of a series of theirs, uh, <laughs> Millar and McNiven are always pretty good together. Well, let's be honest about something. Uh oh. Was this series really highly anticipated, or was Mark Millar just telling everyone they should anticipate this series? I don't know. I think folks are pretty excited about it. Did you not think that they were? You know, I'm, I'm, we'll get into this a little bit more, um, especially when we talk about the, the final page of the issue with the um, Mark Millar essay. Uh, I like some of his stories. I like a lot of his stories, the beginnings anyway. Uh-huh. Um, but the guy is just this egomaniac and it just drives me crazy um you know because he's been saying you know nemesis is going to be the greatest thing ever and that bugs me uh-huh. you know it just the he, he rubs me the wrong way um and uh you know so that that kind of peppered my opinion of the book a little bit i think 
Wow, I got DC'd for this book. There was a title that came out called Nemesis the Imposters. And my shop was actually sold out of the real Nemesis title. So I'm looking around, and this was the only thing on the shelf named Nemesis. And I read it, and I remember all the descriptions as, you know, what if uh, what if Batman were evil? And this is a Batman-related book. So I read through this thing. It's like, this doesn't at all seem like what's been hyped. And I didn't think it was supposed to be DC. But it's named Nemesis, and it's on the shelves. Wow, man, that that's very funny because I had the exact opposite. I'm like, is this the one I'm supposed to get? And the comic book guy is like, no, you're probably thinking of this one. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to buy that turd over there. You want to get this turd. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed my issue of Nemesis. That is not the same as your issue of Nemesis, though. <laughs> Well, what'd you think of it, Tim? Okay, so I don't... I, I'm talking to all the people that are newbies that don't know who these people are, never read anything they've ever done, haven't read all the internet drama, I don't know anything. I'm, I'm new to this as well. And I think... I think... Isn't it... Paul, isn't this one of your favorite sayings that the first the first issue is the easiest, or is, this, is that one of Aaron's favorites? That's yeah, actually Wayne. That's Wayne. <laughs> um... Honestly, I wasn't all that impressed. Um, I had a couple major issues. The first one is I hate. I don't like it when the bad guy seems cooler than the 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 main protagonist. I guess. Mm-hmm. And it, the 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 bad guy seems ridiculous. Like, how is this? You know, how is the 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 cop gonna t- take this guy out? Because he just basically pimp slapped Tokyo. And I have one other pro- problem with it, but that starts getting into the afterwards. So I'll save that for a little bit later. What, what did you think, Aaron? I really liked it. Um, I, you know, it had the feel, the, the universe had the feel of the ultimate universe when Mark Millar was writing that book. Um, so that was one of the things that I liked right away. Um, I, I dug that, uh, how cool Nemesis, the, the villain is. Um, I enjoyed that, you know, yeah, we, we just killed this guy, but wait, we're not done. You, you know, uh, what's the line? He says, uh, um, oh, you know, oh, this isn't finished yet, my friend. There's still one final detail. You know, the uh, total death toll uh, can't be counted for another eight seconds, you know, as the as the, the super train goes flying off the tracks. You know, I, I liked it. I, I, I think it's painting an, an interesting story. Now, having said that, I do feel like uh, the first issue is always the easiest to do, and you know it's easy to make a you know to ask a bunch of questions, make it look really cool. It's how you wrap it up, how you how you execute it. So, um, I think the price is right on this one. the The first issue, two ninety nine, is mm-hmm. is a great price point, and if they keep it there, I'll stay on the book. I, I'm I'm going to continue with it. I'm intrigued enough to to give it another issue. Um, you know, despite my opinion of Mark Millar, and you know, we're talking about a guy. I, I really do love his writing, um, and, and but not so much in the Civil War, which I again loved at the beginning. Enemy of the State, uh, not Wolf, uh, Wolverine, uh, Old Man Logan, loved at the beginning. I actually loved the entire Wolverine, Enemy of the State, and Agent of Shield storylines. Um, and he used to write the Superman Adventures comic book that was based on Superman the Animated Series for DC. And he did some of the best work of his career on that book. I mean, that, those are some of the best Superman stories I've read in a long time. Um, so, you know, now he's got this mean streak all throughout his work. Um, so, you know, if you're reading a Mark Millar book, you're kind of, you know, you're going to get that mean streak 
right. that's kind of been there since the original Ultimates. Um, I, I think, you know, I liked the first half of the book, which, you know, if I hadn't seen it a million times already in previews and stuff, um, you know, I, I think I would have liked it more. The plane scene was, you know, with where Nemesis takes out a plane, uh, Air Force One, was good, except I've kind of already seen it in a Mark Millar book um, in that Wolverine Enemy of the State series, where Wolverine takes over a plane and crashes it through Xavier's mansion. Um, it was done in a very similar manner. But, I mean, it's big action. Uh, I, I will say I didn't like McNiven's art as much as I typically do. And you know why? You know why you he, didn't? Because he inked it. He did his own inks. Yeah, he should he should have done the pencils only. But you know the 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 whole concept of this book is that it's creator owned, and uh, they're not taken. You know, according to that essay, they're not getting paid for this book, so that they're retaining all the rights. You know, yeah. and and to your point, you know about the action. I mean, this book is written to sell the movie rights. That's exactly. what this book is for. Um, and if they produce a movie that's that's similar to this first issue, I think that would be awesome. You know, I really do. I, I, I would really – all of the, the, the pages here are very cinematic. I could really get behind that, that kind of uh, – those kinds of images. But it, it is a very uh, grand play for, hey, buy my movie rights. Yeah. I mean, and he's doing this because Wanted was a, be- a decent-sized hit even though yeah. I hated the movie and yeah, I didn't like movie. the comic book. Yeah, terrible movie. You know, Kick-Ass is going to become a movie, um, and I think they're even trying to – you know, get a little bit on the coattails in the movie because they put kick-ass on the cover. Oh, no, they put um, makes kick-ass look like shit on the cover. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, but I've actually never read the kick-ass comic book. I just picked up the uh, hardbacks this week. Yeah. So, you know, I, I you know, I, yeah, you're right. This is totally written with the intention, you know, we're not getting paid. You know, it's not that benevolent. He, he you know, <laughs> he's going to get paid for this book and he's going right. to get paid in spades. Um Okay, I want to I want to get into my my next problem. All right, I'm uh, reading the afterword. Um, apparently, it looks like there was some kind of charity auction to name these 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 two characters, and so the 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 sheriff guy in Washington D.C. His name is Blake Morrow. Mm-hmm. Awesome name. Yeah. The the guy all in white. Apparently, his name is Matt Anderson. Seriously. <laughs> he, he even said he even says oh they have great superhero names bs you couldn't come up with a more generic name if you named him john smith no there is no more heroic name than matt <laughs> oh yeah villainous the villainous matt anderson or or perhaps could only be improved on by kevin <laughs> the villainous kevin yeah, maybe they should hire the WWE to come up with a villain name. <laughs> you know, well, it's not the first time he did this either, because he did it on Kick-Ass. He uh-huh. did a charity auction to name the main character, and the main character was actually named because the winner was a guy named Dave Lewiski. So, our Liz, 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 I look forward to the TV. I look forward to the movie to hear how the last name's pronounced. <laughs> but yeah, he did the same thing there—a big charity auction to name the main character. Wouldn't you like pull that card and say Matt Anderson and be like, how about I just sign your ass instead and we'll pick someone else? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, one of the other things I was I was really rather interested in, and I do like seeing the behind the scenes working of you know getting a comic book out um, and the marketing campaign that they had where he they sent out digital posters to comic shops, you know, to encourage them to print them up and, and use those for advertising. 
And, you know, he's talking about what a great success is. And so they print all the comic shops that, uh, that participated. And did either of y'all feel like, uh, maybe there weren't a whole lot that participated? Yeah. I was like, wait, is there another page? Yeah. Because I mean, I'm looking, you know, Texas is, you know, we don't have many gaming stores, but we got comic shops coming out the gazoo and two, there are two comic shops in Texas that participated. I noticed that, you know, our friends over at local heroes participated in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for Missouri. There are two, you know, Mar- uh, Marvel's and uh, legends comics in uh, Cape Girardeau and uh, star clipper in St. Louis. And let's see, Alabama, are they represented? They are not. <laughs> Neither is North Carolina, um, but heroes aren't hard to find. One of the biggest comic stores on the East coast. Yeah. Yeah, no El Camino comics in Alabama. Now, <laughs> now look at the entire chain of New England comics <laughs> in Massachusetts participated. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shops that participated in the same chain. So that really is one organization, you know? Yeah. That that overinflated the column. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the number is very small that participated. Yeah. You know. And, and again, once more before we move on from the book, I do want to go back to McNiven's art. Because Dexter Vines, um, you know, he, he's known for inking two main guys, Ed McGinnis and Steve McNiven. Yeah. He totally made their careers. Yeah. I, honestly, their art is totally different without Dexter Vines' inks. I agree. Um, and, and, you know, because Civil War... Old Man Logan, gorgeous books. Absolutely. You know, uh, Superman, Batman, when Ed McGinnis is working in for DC, beautiful stuff by Ed McGinnis. However, his stuff on Hulk, not as good. Yeah. And the stuff in Nemesis by McNiven, not as good. <laughs> so I also want to go back and say one more time, shame on you for DC for releasing another book named Nemesis with the tiny little imposters, you know, under it, which I guess was, <laughs> could have been a hint. <laughs> and also brilliant marketing strategy. Well, I say shame on you because I was fooled by it. It really was a brilliant marketing strategy on their part to use the hype of the other book to try to sell their own little mini series that probably wouldn't have sold otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. It should have said makes kick ass look like shit on the cover though. <laughs> <laughs> makes nemesis look like shit. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Well, I, I rather liked the book. I'm in for number two. Uh, Tim, I I I think I, I think he gets one more shot. Paul, he's got extra money because he doesn't buy Teen Titans anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on for at least one more issue. And if number two is not like super spectacular, um, I'll wait for the trade to see if everyone likes it. Um, otherwise, I'll I'll probably never read it again. And well, I will try to hunt down the real nemesis instead of this imposter one that is actually named the Imposters. <laughs> Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you, Wayne. So another first issue this week was uh, the rise of Arsenal, picking up uh, from the pages of The Fall of Green Arrow. If you'll recall, Red Arrow, also called Arsenal, uh, had his arm removed by Prometheus in the Justice League Cry for Justice stories. And this picks up where uh, uh, Arsenal wakes up for the first time. And we get to see a detailed uh, recap of what happened where uh, Captain Marvel comes in or um, uh, Freddy uh, comes in, which is Prometheus's disguise. 
and Arsenal figures out what's going on. There's a little bit of fight back and forth. Uh, he thinks he's beaten Prometheus, but Prometheus, you know, has something up his sleeve. And the next thing you know, uh, Roy is missing an arm. And it's it's uh, demonstrated in rather graphic fashion. There was a part of me that felt like maybe that part should have been in, in Justice League Cry for Justice, that it shouldn't have been saved for this book. Um, but I do, you know, keep harkening back to that page where we see Roy without his arm for the first time and what a powerful scene that was. But there was so much bad at the end of cry for justice. It could have used, uh, the detailing of the scene. Um, so I, I did page through the book mm -hmm. and you remember the complaint we had last week about green lantern corpse and it was a more powerful image seeing Kyle's girlfriend in the fridge and then yep. seeing how she got there. Yeah. For me, I think this suffers a little of that as well. That scene was so powerful, seeing him walk out without the arm. Yeah, that I, I didn't I need to see how it happened. I, and you know, I, that was actually I, I was thinking along those same lines that you know it was it was an interesting scene in that um, I liked the conversation between uh, him and Prometheus and and how you know Roy Roy is a powerful figure within the DC universe. He has. A lot of skills skill. Some of his skills are very different from those of green arrow. Um, and he's a hero in his own right. And so it was nice seeing him use those skills in conversation and in combat against Prometheus, but I did not need to see the nitty gritty of how the arm came off. You know, they could have just stopped, you know, showing Prometheus making a move. And then that, then you cut to that next scene, you know, in the flashback, but we didn't need to see, Oh, well, you know, he got him with his little compact discs, and uh, <laughs> and then you know you know got him with some kind of laser sword you know I'm but yeah anyway moving on with the story uh, we spend a lot of time with with Roy waking up realizing that you know damn I I lost my arm um, he Prometheus injected him or shot him with some kind of, of nanites that, you know, necrotize flesh. So his arm is having trouble healing. He real, he finds out that his daughter has died. And of course, you know, he has, is, is mourning her death and isn't agreeable with anybody. Doesn't want anybody touching him. Doesn't want anybody being around him. Wants to be off on his own to take care of it. And of course it looks like Roy is going to return to his old addictive ways. Um, he keeps having dreams about, uh, using again. And at the end of the book, um, we see his old drug dealer saying, welcome back, buddy. So, and the title for the next issue is Roy Harper addict. So I'm, I don't expect they'll keep him in that for very long because I, I do think they're trying to elevate the character, but uh, uh, not sure what, how they're how they're going to resolve that just yet. Did you immerse yourself in the role, Aaron, and read the comic book one-handed? I did. Okay. I did. But, did that help your understanding? But not because I was, uh, you know, trying to be without an arm. <laughs> yeah, you you had someone sitting next to you holding it, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We read it on the plane together. It's it's that kind of immersion you get only here in funny books. That's right. That's right. You know, I, I Paul was asking me last week, why are you reading these books? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I really like these characters. Is my problem. I guess this is my Batgirl. You know, uh, you know Wayne Wayne. You know, will tell us how much those Batgirl books suck, but he's he's in it. You know, every week because he enjoys uh, uh, who's her face. <laughs> thank you and i really like roy and i really like ollie and i like you know black canary and and all those characters and i just keep hoping that they'll return to the to the great characters that that i once knew them to be 
So what you're really saying is you get turned on by guys with bows. Oh, yeah. And tights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bows and tights. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally my thing. So that's uh, that's uh, the rise of Arsenal number one. Yeah, I'll be sticking around for number two. It's a four issue. Yeah, yeah, I'll stick around <laughs> for number two. <laughs> Ringing endorsement. <laughs> so, all right. Well, you know, while there was a fall of the Green Arrow and a rise of the Arsenal, you've also oh. got a fall of the Hulks. Okay, Paul. The same Did question Aaron just, I like, asked lose you all every of motivation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, these uh, these Green Arrow books are okay, Paul. Yeah. Same question I ask you every time you start the Follow the Hulks. No, no. Same question I ask you every time you start Follow the Hulks, Paul. Do we know who Red Hulk is? No, I'm still checked out from Hulk. Then <laughs> we do not know who Red Hulk is. Um, Follow the Hulks, Red Hulk number three. Uh, once again, I have to recommend it because it's by Jeff Parker and it's really good. Um, I guess I, I read more good books this week than bad books. And maybe that's why I'm not so ragey this week. Yeah. Um, this book does not tell you who the Red Hulk is, but it gives the full backstory on how Rick Jones became a bomb, um, which I don't know if that's already been, dis- already been uh, shown, uh, but it was new to me and I enjoyed seeing that storyline. Um, you know, and you get plenty of action with uh, a bomb has apparently uh, been programmed to kill Bruce Banner. And uh, so he tries to kill Bruce Banner. There's lots of battle with Red Hulk. Um, I, I don't know why they call this the Red Hulk miniseries specifically, um, because it's focused just as much on Avon and Bruce Banner um, as it has on Red Hulk. But it's 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 been really enjoyable. Um, and and if you're curious as to how Rick Jones became Avon, uh, I I recommend picking up this book. Does it at least make logical sense? Not completely out of left field. No, no. I mean, it, 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 it's basically what you would imagine. Um, you know, he was injured. Rick Jones was injured at the end of World War Hulk. He was stabbed um, by the uh, the bug guy. <laughs> um, I had completely which, forgotten about that. Or Miek, M-E-I-K, M-I-E-K, Meek. Meek stabbed Rick Jones at the end of uh, World War Hulk. And he was carted away in, in a helicopter um, but the helicopter was actually Modoc and the leader, and they basically turned him into a bomb, um, along with Leonard Sampson, who, if you haven't been following, is evil now. Thank you, Paul. Now I don't have to buy the book because I yeah, didn't want to buy go. it. <laughs> Honestly, Paul, you you almost talked me into picking these up until you told me that Hoh was hulked out heroes and that they were going to start injecting Hulk legacy virus into people. Yeah, and that's when I that's when I hit the red panic button. You gotta buy it. It's Hulk Pool. <laughs> uh, good times. I prefer Dead Paul. <laughs> Dead Paul. Um, yeah, I another. I, I'm willing to spend any amount of money we have to to make that happen. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If you're interpreting yeah, that as someone's me- gonna kill me, thank you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> like I did what you said. Aaron told me to. One of our rabid fans, right? <laughs> yeah, one of your your stalkers. Hey, I have a new house. I could use money. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you where I live. But um, moving on from Red Hulk and moving into DC Universe, we have a Batman update. Batman Streets of Gotham number 10 came out. Um, now, two months ago, I talked about how Batman Streets of Gotham number 8 was preempted by DC um, for an unrelated to the current storyline book, 
that lasted two issues. So for two months, what I thought was going to be Batman Streets of Gotham number eight um, didn't happen. Uh, DC never put out an apology, never put out a reason for the delay of uh, what was originally supposed to be issue eight of this book. Um, but it is finally out. Uh, the original storyline that was supposed to be uh, continuing two months ago uh, continues this month in Batman Streets of Gotham number 10. And uh, it's written by Paul Dini with art by Dustin Wynn. Um, and for those who don't remember, because, you know, it was preempted, uh, I'm talking about the Children's Fight Club storyline, um, which is run by Mr. Zaz um, in, in the Streets of Gotham books. And uh, in this issue, uh, Damian Wayne goes undercover in the Children's Fight Club. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, this month has been a good month for Damian Wayne because a character I typically hate has really kicked ass in in the last couple of Batman books that I've read him in, uh, especially in this book where he has a sword fight with Mr. Zaz. And uh, it, it's this book was fantastic. This is the best Batman book on the racks. Uh, you know, um, if you're picking it up, skip issues eight and nine. They, they were good, um, but they were just filler. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, definitely pick up issue 10 of Batman Streets of Gotham. Uh, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, great art, great story, and, and a very dark Batman storyline. Um, you know, obviously, Death of Children, a little dark, uh, but, you know, definitely a great, great, great read. Cool. Yep. So you, I, had, you had another book. I do, I a do. A secret and book. A secret book. Um, secret Warriors number 14 is my book of the week. Um, this continues the wake the beast storyline. And, you know, I, I've loved secret warriors. I've been preaching it since the beginning, uh, not since the beginning. Well, since I picked up the, uh, the hardcover of the first, uh, storyline, this book is fantastic. However, it is the most inaccessible Marvel book period. Um, you cannot pick up issue 14 and understand a lick of what's happening. You have to start with issue one. It's like trying to jump into 24 on issue, uh, you know, the 24, the TV series on episode 14. You can't do it. You have to start at the beginning. Um, you know, uh, but it's, it's definitely worth it. It's a great read. Lots of betrayal, fantastic art, um, written by Jonathan Hickman, who we talked to on the show. Um, you know, I, I know Aaron picked up the first hardcover of Secret Warriors this week, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he thought of it. Me too. I'm looking forward to see what I thought of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read uh, it yet. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the last couple of issues of Secret Warriors, not much has, not terribly much has happened. Um, it, it's been kind of building up, uh, and, and this issue, you know, we get a lot more action, we get a lot more intrigue, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where this goes. Now, when I was uh, browsing comics with uh, Paul earlier this week um, over at Local Heroes Comics and uh, what is it? Is that Norfolk? Yes, Norfolk, Virginia. Over in Norfolk, Virginia. um, I came across a comic book that just intrigues me. And I haven't – I didn't buy it then, but but I've already asked my comic shop to hold me a copy. And it's called Time Lincoln. And it's about uh, Lincoln in the moments before – his uh, his assassination is pulled out of time, and he becomes an adventurer in the time stream. And so the the blurb on it says, "What happens when the great emancipator is suddenly freed from the bonds of time to right wrongs throughout history? Taken out of time on the night of, of his assassination, with the help of H. G. Wells' time machine, Abraham Lincoln finds himself waging war upon the forces of evil in the past, present, and the future. His last hour, he lived a lifetime." 
So he's not he's not at San Dimas High School. I thought I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I I uh I, I'm really rather intrigued by by the by that. So anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm picking it up and I'll let you know what I think. Apparently, Abe Lincoln is is big uh, big money right now because Abe Lincoln vampire you know, set up like that. How can you not be? <laughs> exactly but i really i'm re- i'm enjoying abe lincoln vampire hunter yeah. um that novel by the guys who did uh sense sensibility and zombies i think yeah um cool. but uh you know it, it's actually a really fun read really great um so i you know I, i'm curious why uh abe lincoln is so big nowadays you know he he's a he's, he, he got a lot done apparently he time traveled he killed vampires well and i understand he's in the next twilight movie because the girls love the lincoln Oh yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. God. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we wrap up, next week is a huge week uh, for comics. We've got the end of Blackest Night. Yep. We've got the end of Escape from Wonderland, which no one else on the show reads except me. But it's a big deal. Um, this is the end of the the trilogy of Wonderland books that's written by uh, Raven Gregory, who you know we've interviewed a couple of times on uh, IdeologyofMadness.com. <laughs> You've also got the beginning of the new Terminator com- comic book series written by Joss Whedon's brother. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's written by got, Joss Whedon's brother. His bro. <laughs> um, you've got the end of X-Force. His brother's the- neighbor's second cousin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Twice removed. <laughs> written by David uh, Anderson. <laughs> yeah, it's written by Matt Anderson. Um <laughs> you've got uh the end of necrotia so hopefully jonathan will be out of rehab by then to talk with us about it well, and it's, you've it's got touch, it's touch and go there paula we, yeah, we, we'll see we can't we'll be see. sure we just can't be sure but uh you know if, if he if he's not hopefully he'll have a second coming because x-men's second coming starts next week as well yeah um but bigger than all of those marvel is officially releasing trade paperbacks of the complete clone saga of spider-man starting next week are you shitting me spider-man the complete clone saga book wow this is next week okay stop the show i'm heading over to marvel.com right now (laughs) i see this i'll be damned wow (laughs) i'm i'm stunned by this this is huge news i think i just had aneurysm i i think i'm gonna have to go change my shorts i uh i have made a mess of myself here Indeed. And that wasn't an aneurysm, Tim. That was a joygasm. That's right. <laughs> Maybe on that side of the mics it was. <laughs> I you know, I, I you know, wow. This is awesome. Isn't this it? This is awesome. When wow, I saw that, that I was that like, is a steep that price. <laughs> that is a steep, steep price though. Well, and this sounds douchey of me, so please I'm sorry, all my <laughs> local comic book shops who I love very much. It'll probably be twenty three bucks on Amazon. So. Yeah, and don't they delay the release on Amazon though? Usually a week or two. It's usually not that long. I'm heading over there right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, thirty five bucks. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah, it's thirty five bucks cover price, but you get a lot in it. Oh um, no, I, I'm I'm not disputing that, but I mean, damn, it's still expensive, particularly when it's just the first volume. Yeah, it's April- twenty. It's twenty twenty four on Amazon. Nice. Can't yeah. beat that. Yeah, actually, and you know what? Looking at it, the, you're looking at the wrong one. Spider-Man: The Complete so- Clone Saga Epic Book One is twenty-three dollars and nine cents, and it comes out April twenty-eighth. I wonder if they're going to include the new Clone Saga at the end of that, the uh, the recent miniseries. That's like, probably the twenty-dollar one. Leading up to it. 
because who who wrote and drew that? Was that Howard Mackey and Todd Nauck? Yeah, I was looking at the other one. The, this one is the uh, you're right, Paul. It's the Spider-Man: The Complete Clone Saga, Book One, by uh, Dematis, DeFalco, Mackey, Kavanaugh, Lyle, Bagley, all those guys. Yeah, I I I, I April twenty eighth. I mean, I'm not in any huge rush to read it, uh, but I'm very excited about the release. I I you know, if you're going to be loyal to your local comic book store, pick it up next week for thirty five dollars. If you can wait another month, um. Amazon.com has it for twenty three oh nine. Yeah, and you know, uh, if you're if you're lucky, maybe there'll be some kind of glitch, and you can order it for eight ninety five, and you know then what? not get it. Yeah, but if you still have your twenty five dollar gift certificate, from there you that go. <laughs> error. Yeah, yeah, it's free. exactly. Yeah. All right. Good well, time. guys, lots of fun this week. Indeed, and. uh you know, keep an eye out on ideologyofmadness.com or, uh, you know, iTunes keyword ideology of madness. We do have our Daniel Way interview coming up where we do talk about Deadpool, Hitmonkey, Dark Wolverine, and your mother. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Tim, yeah. you, you have filled the <laughs> hole in my heart that Jonathan's absence creates. Well, any anytime you need me, I'll, I'll be right there. Now, will we have you next week because it doesn't Teen Titans come out next week? Uh, I or, don't know. Does or, the budget allow for me next week? Well, you know, uh, if we stop putting out the continental breakfast that we usually put out, we could probably afford you. Whoa, I want waffles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim, you can't come back because Wayne's got to have his waffles. Thanks, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about like one of those store brand frozen waffles? I can't afford the the Eggo waffles, you know, because I mean, come on, Eggo. But I could certainly get you the uh, Walmart brand. Would that be okay, Wayne? That's sufficient. Maybe if I only <laughs> maybe if I only stay for half the episode and use half the Skype juice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Well, we'll you take know. this uh, this budget discussion offline, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll afford somebody next week. <laughs> It'll be funny books with Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> talk to you we'll guys. Talk about, I say we'll just talk about Blackest Night stuff, so Jonathan won't speak. No. <laughs> well, this was fun, guys. We'll chat with y'all later. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 